We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for 82408. And now we're going to specifically talk about karate uh, in this particular segment. And then we're going to transition into one other segment. We'll probably be able to get this all finished up in this part two. This article is entitled Karate, Tool for Christian Evangelism or Zen Buddhism. So on the cover of Bob Jones University's spring of 1992 issue, this is 1992, of the BJU Review, is a picture of a black belt karate master and a senior at Bob Jones University, Jim Pitts, in full karate garb. Bible open, giving the invitation, while the rest of the members of Bob Jones University, champions, it was called the Champions for Christ Karate Team. That's the... Bob Jones had their own Champions for Christ karate team. That was an exact quote. They're all kneeling in prayer by their cinder block bricks. On the inside cover is a picture of Mr. Pitts breaking four bricks with his right arm while the other team members are watching with Bibles open. It just This is just unbelievable. The editor of the review declares that, quote, Champions for Christ is one of the many different extension groups that go out from the university each week Bringing the gospel to needy people throughout the Southeast, these extension ministries give all the students the chance to sharpen their soul-winning skills, be an encouragement to others, and use their skills to glorify God. Many other so-called youth and evangelism ministries promote the martial arts as a means of motivating youth in evangelism. Now, if, you, if you're starting at part two here, please go back and listen to part one first because we've already talked about a lot of these different things here. So, for example, the March 1992 Baptist Bulletin contains an article about a husband and wife, ABWE min missionary team, helping, quote, teenagers understand God's power in their lives by exhibiting the husband's karate skills, such as breaking boards with his hands, demonstrating samurai swords, and nunchucks. At the at these youth rallies, the missionary team claims to want to help teenagers understand God's power in their lives, and to motivate them to join God in the spiritual battle of the present age. Right. Should it, And again, what kind of spiritual battle? They're encouraging them to be involved in a carnal, physical, self-combative battle, not the type of battle that the Bible says that we're to engage in. We battle not against flesh and blood. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood. Well, these karate, Christian karate teams... That's not the message they're sending. You know, they're battling against boards and bricks and mortar and, and other people, potentially. But the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. The weapons of, war, of our warfare are not carnal. They're not with hands and fists and feet, or nunchucks, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Again, we covered a lot of this in the last lecture, but I'm, I will refresh some of these things that we need to... No. So, should a Christian's soul-winning skills include karate? And, ki and can that skill be used to glorify God? And what has karate to do with the reality of God's power in a teenager's life? Even though one might find it difficult to see how the so-called skill of karate could or would be used by the Holy Spirit to draw the lost to Christ, the overriding question must be, is there a philosophy opposed to Christianity that is at the root of the karate exhibitions? Obviously, we've already answered that question in the affirmative in the last teaching. We're going to explore that a little bit further now, though. Karate has a un unique and unusual history. 
It was handed down centuries ago from a Zen master to a Buddhist monk by the word of mouth. Now, that's a good foundation to lay. You know, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, this word of mouth handing down has always been in strict secrecy. Oh, you mean like all the secret societies that have permeated all through society that kind of got their start in the Babylonian mystery religions with Nimrod and Semiramis and all that stuff? Yes, it's an offshoot. If you really want to boil it down, it is an offshoot to that. Strict secrecy. Gnosticism. This hidden knowledge that you must attain. It's no different than any other false religion. Because it is a religion and it has much religion incorporated into it, as we've seen. Even today, everything done in karate can be traced back to some of the principles of Zen Buddhism. An Indian Buddhist priest named Bodhid Harama in the 6th century AD in China synthesized karate techniques and yoga meditation in order to unite mind, spirit, and body. Among the Chinese styles are the Kung Fu, Gung Fu, Wing Shu, ta uh, Taekwondo, and Hapkido are among the Korean styles. So again, you can put whatever name you want to call upon it, it all has the same ultimate roots. Variety is clearly a mental and moral exercise, indeed a spiritual exercise. In each practice session, there is a concerted effort to unite mind, body, spirit. Karate is founded on the scientific principles of body movements that develop the karate devotee into a healthy, well-coordinated person, both physically and mentally. This is what they're saying. Chinese karate masters consider karate to be an extension of their religion. It's a religious recruiting tool. If you really want to boil it down, what does Satan like about it? What is the biggest thing he likes about it? Well, it's a religious recruiting tool. It's one more religion that's going to take millions of people to hell, if you think about it. Okinawan karate masters consider it to be a way of life. They're quoted as saying, quote, It is rather an expression of life lived 24 hours a day. 365 days a year. Now, that's what we're supposed to be as a Christian. How can the two be compatible then? If this is a way of life that you're supposed to live 24-7, well, how can that be compatible with the Christian lifestyle that we're supposed to live 24-7? I don't know. I haven't figured it out. It can't be done, in other words. Going back to this quote, Indeed, the way of karate is a philosophy of life, a rich, rewarding philosophy. If carried through past the boundaries of the obvious self-defense techniques into the realm of the mind-searching discipline. Within karate is the potential of a new person. A person huge in all the capabilities that will make him respected and confident. What, confident in self? That was a quote from the way of karate. So that is what they say. It's, it's confidence in self is all it is. It's an abomination in God. It's, a, it's an abomination of God. No flesh will glory in my presence, as he said. But they say the opposite. It's how we know it's false. Compare it to the word of God, which is the standard. Karate is Zen. So says Master Oyama and many other karate masters. Zen is a school of Buddhism that has been called the religion of immediate reality. It's a quote. The aim of Zen is to awaken the student to his true self and thus bring about a degree of self-knowledge through inward meditation. Zen students seek the peace of mind through an enlightened awakening of intuitive wisdom. Intuitive. Like it's already there. You're just tapping into what's already there. This is much like the studies I've done on Oprah Winfrey and The Secret and all that stuff, that name it and claim it, New Age name it and claim it stuff. Very, very, very closely tied in with the New Age movement, what we're talking about here today. Just one more confirmation of really all previous past studies that we've done. 
this intuitive wisdom that they feel is dormant now in all people. Oh, it's just dormant. Again, who gets the credit there? The, the, the human, the, the person. It's just, it's not God. It's, it's what's already there. We're just bringing it out so we can glorify self, ultimately. Zen meditation tries to achieve, quote, no-mindedness, which may be acquired by concentration and special breathing exercises. Yes, and also open you up to total demonic infestation. As you empty your mind, something comes in there to fill the void. And it's demonic. Remember, Jesus even said that the, when the spirit goeth out of the body, he come back and he seeketh the body to inhabit. Okay, these demons seek at the body to inhabit. When you empty your mind, you're giving them fertile ground to come into. Guaranteed, that's why it's such a big objective. Emptying your mind. Karate, when combined with Zen meditation, is used to assist the student's quest for peace of mind and equanimity in the face of conflict and tension. Although many, especially here in the United States, tend to disregard much of the Zen Buddhist philosophy in their training, some impact of that philosophy is made upon every student of karate. This is because the Zen meditation and the yoga-like breathing exercises, whether for 30 seconds or for two hours before or after every practice session, are an integral part of the Oriental martial arts system. If one truly aspires to master the art of karate, he cannot ignore the spiritual implications. Zen meditation provides a false inner peace that is at best a counterfeit of the peace that only God can give. There is only one source of inner peace according to the Bible, and that inner peace comes from the Holy Spirit that lives inside a true born-again Bible-believing Christian. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. These are the fruits of the Spirit. We can choose between the self-control development by the Holy Spirit or the self-control of Zen. Again, you have to make your choice. And with self-control of Zen, as with any Eastern meditation technique, one could also be opening himself up to demonic activity. Well, that's a guarantee. Satan will make sure that you're opening yourself up to that. While God calls us to humility, the martial arts cater to the human pride. For even in gaining mastery over oneself through Zen, it is still recognized as an accomplishment of self. Now, what is the root of almost every single sin in the Bible? Self-centeredness. It was the root of the first sin of the Bible, where Lucifer looked up and said, I will be like God, I will ascend unto the Most High, I will you know, ascend to the sides of the North. It was pride. Self-centeredness. If you think about every sin that there is, most of them you can boil it back to self-centeredness. Well, that's what this whole um, martial arts field and religion that goes along with it caters to. That's why it's very popular, because it caters to human pride. For even in gaining mastery over oneself through Zen, it is still recognized an accomplishment of self. That self-pride then manifests itself through a desire to prove one superior to others. There can only be one. Remember? It can be only one. Only one of the best. Although some proponents for a Christian martial artist do concede that karate has its roots in the occult, pagan or eastern religious philosophies, they also claim that the primary philosophy behind the martial arts actually originated in the Old Testament. Citing such passages as Psalm 140, 144 verse 1 where it says, The Lord teaches my, hand to, my hands to war, my fingers to fight, even going back all the way to the Garden of Eden. This is the ver- they, they gave some other proof texts here that were so absurd, I'm not even going to read them. Because I don't see how you could even possibly use those. That was the best one I could find. But again, you have to compare this with what Jesus Christ's teachings were in the New Testament as well. 
it's not compatible. Okay, when you're when you're in the Old Testament, when Israel was going out to war with the Philistines, they're we're in a different dispensation there. They were commanded to go to war and to slay and to kill and these types of things. A lot of the people that, that particularly when they went in the Promised Land, whatever they were fighting, these were giants. These were like the Nephilim of Genesis six. So again, different time period we're dealing with there as well. There is a in the book Christian Martial Arts, and I'm going to make sure I get this one, I'm just kidding. Christian Martial Arts by Tottingham and Tottingham, uh, page 2 it says, Therefore, according to these ad advocates, Satan made inroads into the true Bible-based martial arts. This is a quote from this book. So Satan made the inroads into the true Bible-based martial arts, capturing them for himself, and that all we need to do now is to reclaim them. It's just like Christian rock. Well, God created music, and we just need to go in and reclaim that rock and roll for Christianity. It doesn't work that way. I, 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 you, could, you could extrapolate that to everything. What, did God create drugs, so we just need to reclaim that for, you know? Well, the poppy plant makes opium, and God made the poppy plant, so we need to just recapture that opium for the drug addicts, and, 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 and we need to Christianize it. It's what they're doing with everything. This is just one of the many things they're, they're doing that with. So, we, we go... They're saying we need to capture this true Bible-based martial arts, capture them for himself, and then we need to reclaim them and change them from an Asiatic philosophy to a true Bible-centered Christian philosophy. This, of course, is the same logic men use to Christianize any worldly pagan or occult philosophy or practice, whether it be astrology, where they have the gospel and the stars now, or psychology, or eastern medicine, or magic, or pyramidology, or graphology, or numerology. The logic goes on and on and on. You can try to Christianize anything you want, but if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you, you don't want to try to Christianize it at all. It cannot be done. The violence associated with the karate smacks of anything but Christian as well. Legendary karate masters were reputed to have superhuman powers, including the ability to kill small birds with a yell. Whoa! They could kill small birds with a yell? The, and it was called the Shout of Doom. Now, as an example, I'm going to have Doug give us a little demonstration here, the Shout of Doom. So, so I'm... <laughs> the Shout of Doom. I, I love it. Um... I was up at um, Pastor Slattery's meeting speaking last time, and he has a he puts on these meetings uh, twice a month up there, and uh, he has this little box, <laughs> and it's it costs some money to put these things on. It costs some money to rent out the room, and, and you know to do all the stuff, and, and it's just a donation box. He doesn't, you know, it's just back there if you want to put some money in the box, that type of thing. You know, it's not. We don't keep track of anything. We don't let our right hand know what our left hand's doing. He he does it in a very biblical way. But I love what he refers to that box as. He he says most people when they come up to the box, they they come up to it and they get this real sad expression on their face. So he calls it the box of despair. I, I just I just thought that was great. Or I, I like if I had one, I'd call it the box of woe. You know, just it's something that really makes people sad. You know, and, and stuff. And so anyway, um, anyway. So that was, and then there was another thing, a secret knowledge of how to lightly touch a spot on the body to cause death. This is the touch of death. 
So, Lisa, can you demonstrate the touch of... Okay, just kidding. Teasing. And then the ability to penetrate any adversary's body with a bare hand and withdraw his still-beating heart. Now, that's a practical thing we as Christians need to know. Yeah, I mean, hey, what's not to like? I mean, come on. But, you know, again, I talk about these things, and, and they're, they're, it's almost hilarious to talk about. But, you know, this is part of the package that you get with martial arts. It's part of the package. The very nature of these violent forms of expression runs counter to the Word of God. How, then, can any Christian justify his involvement in karate or any other martial arts? He really can't. Not even by claiming that such involvement is purely for self-defense, exercise, or to learn discipline, let alone justifying it for evangelism purposes. There are other methods by which these results may be obtained, methods not associated with the harmful violence and false doctrine. Um, so, that was from Biblical Discernment Ministries, uh, 4 of 1992. And the last thing, this is, this is what got me started in this, this last email I'm going to be reading you from. And um, I'm going to just read this first paragraph, and then I'm going to give a little testimony here. This was my comment when I first put this particular thing out. But below, or what we're going to be getting into, is an abbreviated version of an article I found on the internet regarding a book entitled, Cook Sul Wan. A Brief History. Now, Kuk Sawan is another form of martial arts. Again, we talk about karate, we talk about kung fu, and, and, and a lot of people say, yeah, but this one's not a cult. Oh, okay, please. Where was the foundation? Where, where did it stem from? Where did it start? Is where we have, what we need to look at. This, this particular form of martial arts is no different than any other. Okay, it's called Kuk Sawan. Please bear in mind that these are not my words. Now, there's a reason I'm talking about this one. I'm going to give you that in a second. So please bear in mind that what we're going to be talking about right now are not my words, but the words of qualified men who are explaining what Cook Sulwan and really the martial arts are. They're far more qualified than me, and you can't accuse me if I'm quoting people that are involved in martial arts. You can't really accuse me of having bias. This is what they're saying, not me. This is not biased research, as these men are the very ones promoting this martial art. The evidence speaks for itself, and as you will see, it is overwhelming in regard to the contradiction this martial art, and all the others, presents to the Bible-believing Christian. I provide much further documentation beyond this initial excerpt, so please read this article in its entirety. It's not my intention to attack any individual or to hinder the work of the Lord in any way, shape, or form. Actually, my goal is quite the opposite, and it lines up with the biblical tenet that the truth shall set you free. I ask myself, if I were being deceived, which I openly admit before the Lord that I am not above being deceived, again... Are, are any of us at any one time above being deceived? If we think we're not, then that's pride. Okay? But would I want someone to come to me and tell me the truth if I were being deceived? Or would it be better for me to remain in deception and be destroyed for lack of knowledge according to Hosea 4.6? Now, I'm not even saying, let's, let's just leave the salvation issue aside. Let's just say somebody is being deceived, that they're a real born-again Christian, but they're being deceived. As long as they stay in that deception... Is what they're doing for the Lord being hindered? Yeah, sure it is. Okay, so this is a tool of Satan to limit your ability to truly work for the Lord properly. Okay, this is just, at bare minimum, that's what this is. At maximum, it's something used, it's something that's being used to take millions to hell. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now this isn't hypocritical judgment 
where Jesus talked about, you know, judge not lest ye be judged. That's if you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Jesus Christ said judge righteous judgment. What we're doing today is we're judging this matter. Now, what happened to me, oh, this was about three to four years ago. I got a call from somebody at a church that I had attended at one time. But I had since left there because of the apostasy. And there was a man at this church that was teaching karate. Actually, it was this Kuk Sulwan that we're going to be talking about. And evidently what had happened is, he had been a member of this church for a long time, good friends with the pastor, this type of stuff. But he actually had come in there and wanted to start teaching a class on this. And... I had one of the uh, women at the church call me, who was a patient of mine, and she said, you know, listen, this is going on, and my son's in this, and, you know, they're doing all these meditative breathing exercises at the start, and there, there was a, two or three really huge, huge red flags. And I said, whoa, I said, this is not good. I said, this is, no, I would not let this go on in the church. I would get my son out of there. Well, she went to the pastor, and she, I think I forwarded her a, this information that I'm giving you today about this particular offshoot of uh, martial arts, Kuksil Wan, and she presented it before them, and the church, I believe, shut it down. Well, oh boy, when he got wind of this, now this guy has his own dojo, okay, he's like, you know, 8th or whatever, 7th, 8th degree black belt in this particular discipline, he's got his own dojo, you're talking about this guy is you know, hook, line, and sinker into this stuff, sees nothing wrong with it, would be absolutely infuriated if he heard this particular study. And when he got this information, he went ballistic. He calls me on the phone. He's just screaming at me. I couldn't even understand what the guy was saying. He was just screaming, oh, no, no, screaming at me, telling me, get down to his dojo. He's going to show me that this is, this is uh, about integrity and respect and, 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 and ha showing respect and... Uh, I said, you know what, I'm not going to give his name, but I said, you know what, I said, it doesn't really matter what you tell me, I don't understand how it, how, what all you're telling me undoes all the information that you have in your lap that you saw from me. It doesn't undo that information, okay, there's way too many scriptures that we have to contemplate, way too many red flags about this, I don't care if you're learning respect and all of a sudden, the devil's always going to make something appear Good, if he can. Oh yes, you're learning discipline and you're learning respect. You know, there's a billboard locally, um, not a billboard, but they have like these little signs up and it says something like "Got Discipline" and it shows this this little kid doing a karate move and and this is the this is the big thing. Kids are such, so many kids today are such little devils because the parents have let the secular education system and the TV and the video games raise their kids. There's no discipline at all. And they turn out like devils and they're like, oh, what do we do to little Johnny? He's got no discipline. We'll put him in karate. He'll get some discipline. Yeah, they put, they put little Johnny in karate and he becomes twice the child of hell that he was before. Yeah, he's got discipline. But now he's got all the demons that go along with the martial art. But he's learning respect. That's all that matters. Yeah, Doug just brought up a good point. Luciferians and people involved in high-level occult also believe in, in many of these same things. Respect and, and these types of things toward, toward certain people or your elders or, or things of that nature. So, this guy was just screaming at me on the phone. I couldn't really get a word in edgewise. 
And I stayed on the phone with him. And I and I said I said he kept you know he kept trying to get me to come down to his dojo for me to be convinced. And I'm like I'm not going to the devil's den so you can try to convince me. I said, can you disprove this information? He finally just hung up on me. See, that's how a guy like that deals with problems. He calls and screams and, and thinks he's going to intimidate me into submission. And I didn't. I just stood there. He ended up hanging up on me. <laughs> Never heard from him again. So, you know, I, I just... I've, I've, had my, I've, I've had a lot of experience with this. Sub. Not only have I been involved with it, but I've been on both sides of this. Thank God they stopped teaching that class, at least at the time, at that particular church. So this, this excerpt that I'm reading is, is entitled, Cook Sawan, A Brief History. And it's got like, oh my word, four, four different guys have contributed to this, and all these are experts on Cook Sawan, this particular form of martial arts. So remember as we go through this portion of the teaching, we are presenting a discussion on the martial arts from the experts in the martial arts, um, and this is what they're openly admitting to. So we'll start out here. It says, In this, the first of three articles on Kok Wan, although we focus on the history of Korean martial arts, to do so we must explore the history of Korea. For the country and the martial arts are inextricably interwoven. See, they're admitting the history of their countries are inextricably woven, not only with religion, but with the martial arts, and the martial arts are also interwoven with the religious aspect, the Zen Buddhism and all this other stuff. Modern Korea is as much a product of its martial arts as its martial arts are a product of the country. You see how important it is to them? We can come here and Christianize it all day long. It doesn't take away this. The foundation, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Then it goes on to say, what shall we see emerge is the Korean martial art, martial spirit. They call it the martial spirit. Now remember, mar martial as in um, Mars, which is the god of war, fifth planet from the sun, the red planet, the god of war, that's where we get martial, M-A-R. We see, so what we shall see is the Korean martial spirit that has endured throughout, which is the spirit of war. The roots and the foundation of Kuk Sul-Wan. The names Kuk Sul and Kuk Sul-Wan were coined and first used in 1958 by Shu, this guy named Shu Huwaki, when he found the, founded the art and represents a uniquely comprehensive study of the, of the traditional Korean martial arts, although when one hears the term martial arts, one would naturally think of physical skill. However, with, all, however, with Kuk Sawan and all the other martial arts, there is an implicit meaning that goes much further to include the cultural, philosophical, mental, and spiritual heritage of the Korean martial arts in Psyche. Talk about not fleeing all appearance of evil. It's inextricably interwoven, it said. You can't separate the one from the other. No matter how much a Christian would want to try to put a Christian veneer on this. The legend, now this is entitled The Legend of Tan Gun. This is from 2333 BC. As legend has it, a god named Hoan Jung decided he wished to live in the human world. No good. And shows... Taibak Sun Mountain, one of the three highest peaks in the Everwhite Mountain Range of North Korea, as a suitable place to come down and live. Doesn't this sound like Genesis 6, where the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took them wise all they chose? Hmm, kind of weird. Now, understand, this is, this, is, this is the foundation, what they're giving is the foundation of Kuk So we have this God, 
lowercase g, what did they call these, these, these fallen angels when they came down? They thought they were gods. This is where we get all of the ancient um, Grecian and all these, these ancient you know, um, myths of the gods and stuff like Zeus and Apollo and all this other stuff. This is the oriental version of their same myths, or not really myths, because there's probably a lot of truth to this, but in other, in other words, these fallen angels had come down and had done this, and this is one of their legends about this. And then it says, When this God descended from heaven, he appeared under a sandalwood tree. He brought with him 3,000 loyal heavenly subjects who were to be responsible for teaching the people a number of useful arts and crafts, which included farming and healing, and I believe it includes... These martial arts, originally. I don't ever remember God saying in the Bible that he taught this. Taught them how to do all these martial arts. But isn't that funny? That if, if we look, one of the common themes of this, when these fallen angels came down, is that they imparted this knowledge, primarily and firstly, to the women that they had taken to wife. This is where, and, and, and this is where, when we talk about these fallen angels that came down, and I've done many studies on this, on Genesis 6, and we've touched on the book of Enoch. I haven't said it's canon of scripture, but it did present some very interesting enlightenment about the true meanings of things. When we look at that, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wise all their children, and then these giants were born unto them. If we look at the origins of witchcraft, we see the first witches were actually the wives of of these giants, of not the giants, but of the fallen angels. These were the ones that they took to them wife. These were the first witches. These fallen angels came down and taught these women how to use enchantments, it says root cuttings, things of this nature. Okay, they taught them witchcraft. And here we have this supposed God coming down and bringing with him these heavenly subjects who were responsible for teaching the people a number of useful arts and crafts. Now we know this is a devil. We know this is a fallen angel that they're in reference to here. Do you think that he's going to teach them how to get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and observe the word of God? If he was doing that, why didn't it say it? Didn't it? Because he wasn't. Whatever this thing was teaching, it was evil. Okay, there may have been some practical applications to what he was doing. But ultimately, it was evil. I'll just end there on, on that particular... It goes into this whole other rigmarole. Then this is the next part, and it says... Bull, Kayo, Mul, Sol, the Buddhist martial arts. Through history, religion has influenced every major civilization. Religion, this is what they're saying, has influenced every major civilization in the world, and Korea is no exception. The oldest form of religion in Korea is known as shamanism, or animism, based on the belief that spirits dwell within the forces of nature as well as in inanimate objects. Uh, this could also be getting into the, into the realm of pantheism and... and uh, these types of things. One popular example of this belief is the worship of the mountain god or the spirit, which is symbolized by a white bearded old man with a tiger at his feet. Going further, now remember, this is the origins of Kuk Sulwan. This is what we're talking about here. This next part is entitled Silla, S-I-L-L-A. And it said, introduced by the Korean monk Adu, who studied in China, Confucianism and Taoism were also introduced about the same time, but were destined not to have the same influence as Buddhism until much later. So we're talking about three false religions, Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism. However, both of these systems of philosophical thought were to make a significant contributions to the overall Korean martial arts psyche. See how 
inextricably interwoven this is? They're proving it. With the introduction of Buddhism into Korea came Bul Kai Mul Sol, which is the Buddhist martial arts, which were to contribute greatly to the development of the Korean martial arts. See, so you can't, you can't use the argument, yeah, but this one particular sect of martial arts, it was pure, it was, it was Christian from the beginning, we've taken it back for the Lord, it was never the Lord's, he never gave it. Going further, this is called the Order of Hawarang. The influence of Buddhism on Korean martial arts can perhaps be most easily and directly traced to the role played now by the legendary Buddhist monk, Wan Kuang De Sa, in the formation of the fighting elite known as Hawa Rang. The formation of this elite warrior corps has an interesting history, which is now described before detailed attention is paid to Hawa Rang. Now, before we go any further, I have a comment here. I've posted below in this particular article. Now, what I'm going to try to do is make this available as a PDF. I'm going to try to put all this together so you can read it all in one PDF document you want to go back and re reference it. And this will be posted with the teaching that I'll be put that will be put up on sermon audio. Next week I'm going to probably be talking about acupuncture and yoga, okay? This week we're talking about more of the martial arts. So, below are some Christian-oriented explanations of some occultic terms and symbols associated with a high number of martial arts including this Kuksul one. I present these so as we as Christians are not destroyed for lack of knowledge. The yin yang what is this yin-yang, you know, the, the whole yin-yang symbol? It's a Taoist concept. It's used in the New Age movement, holding that the universe consists of two opposite energy forces, positive and negative, male and female. Both are necessary, and both must be harmonized for proper function. This yin and yang also flows through the human body, so that a balance is required to maintain health. Many New Age holistic health techniques, such as acupuncture, are based on attempts to balance this alleged energy, or qi, when all is balanced, the yin and yang harmonize and the body works properly. That's why I don't advise anybody to do any of this stuff. Okay? I, trust me, I've been there and done it. I'm a board-certified chiropractor. I'm also a board-certified acupuncturist. Okay? I don't do it anymore. I destroyed my, my diploma, the whole nine yards. I pretty much put my money where my mouth is on this. But I, when I first got into it, the guy that led me to the Lord, although he said he was a Christian, he was involved in all this New Age stuff. It's all I ever knew. So I became a board-certified acupuncturist. I was doing all kinds of stuff with kinesiology and, and just crazy stuff I was into. But God eventually took me out of all of it. I praise the Lord. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Then we have the concept of Taoism, or T-A-O-I-S-I-M is how it's spelled. China, this is the Chinese philosophy teaching that there is no personal God. Well, that's like the overriding force behind almost all of martial law. Martial, martial law. <laughs> martial, yeah, that too. Martial arts is Taoism. Well, what is it? It's the Chinese philosophy teaching that there's no, there's no personal God. Well, does that sound a little bit contradictory to Scripture? I would say so. This is why this conflict that's there is so huge. I don't care how you would try to Christianize it. They believe there is no personal God. All is the impersonal Tao, similar to the impersonal God force of pantheism and Hinduism. The Tao, or T-A-O is how it's spelled, is composed of the conflicting opposites, the yin and the yang, which should be balanced or harmonized through yoga, meditation, etc., to promote spiritual wholeness. See, it's a very man-centered. It's about what I do. It's like every other false religion. It's all about earning your way to wherever you're trying to get to. 
And then we have the concept of meditation, entering an altered state of consciousness by the use of a mantra, yoga, deep relaxation techniques, controlled breathing or visualization. Again, we've got this seeping into the churches now like crazy. A lot of it entered in because they brought in these martial arts classes. Because this is where, you know, a lot of this entered in initially. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. It's going to permeate. It's like dough. Put a little leaven in the dough. It permeates through the whole lump. It's bad doctrine. This is bad doctrine. Often linked to Eastern metaphysical philosophies, the New Age and or the Eastern religions, these techniques promote the emptying of the mind or the suspension of critical thinking. Again, empty that mind. They just love it. This is different. From the biblical meditation where we are, one is encouraged to meditate on the word of God. You're not emptying the mind, you're meditating, you're filling it with the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, where they all, so shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 9 and 119 verse 11. So, the meditation of the Bible is totally different. We're supposed to meditate on the Word of God, His attributes, His Word, employing the whole mind, like it talks about in Joshua 1.8 and Luke 10.27. Now, the New Age is a recent and developing belief system in the North American, encompassing thousands of autonomous and sometimes contradictory beliefs. Remember, God is not the author of confusion, yet many times they contradict their own stuff. But thousands of sometimes contradictory beliefs, organizations, and events, generally the New Age borrows its theology from the pantheistic Eastern religious Systems and its practices from the 19th century Western occultism. The term New Age is used therein as an umbrella term to describe organizations which seem to exhibit one or more of the following beliefs. Number one, all is one. All reality is part of the whole. Everything, number two, everything is God and God is everything. I may start to wax poetic here, so watch out. Just kidding. Yeah, the kundalini serpent spirit is, is definitely rising. I, I feel it. Anyway, and then three, man is a god or part of a god. Well, isn't that what Satan said to Eve? You shall be as gods in the Garden of Eden? It's the first carrot that Satan ever put out in front of somebody. Worked pretty good. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's the same thing. Appeals to man's pride. And then number four, man never dies, but continues to live through reincarnation. Oh, what a life in the pit of hell that is. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. The Bible says absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, if you're a born-again believer. Number five, another thing it teaches, man can create his own reality and or values through transformed consciousness or altered states of consciousness. Or just more and more lies. So, now, below, I'm posting here in, in this particular article, and I'm reading from this, I said, below is a lecture study I found being done by an occultist named Kwan Jang Nim. Notice that he speaks on numerous different false religions. Confucianism, Taoism, Shamanism, etc. Please take special note that amid this whole cultic expose, one whole days of his lecture are devoted to Kuk Sul Wan, which is this particular martial art he specializes in, of the Korean variety. The connection between the martial arts and the New Age are totally undeniable, and according to Second Thess... 2 Corinthians 6.14 What fellowship have Christ with Belial or light with darkness? That's why we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You can't help to be unequally yoked if you're doing this stuff. The Lord tells us in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 6 To come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 
Well, do you think this might be something that might hinder your prayers if you're doing it? You're, you're yoked up with unbelievers. You haven't come out from among them. And you're in pride and rebellion. You're against God's word. And you expect to get your prayers answered? The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity. When you're participating in martial arts, are you not regarding iniquity in your heart? Well, the God says he's not going to... I can't understand why I don't get my prayers answered. Well, this could explain it right here. Now, understand, we're, these things that we're going to be talking about, you could substitute any martial art for this. Any. So, in this thing, this occultist is talking about, first thing he talks about is Confucianism. And in this particular day one, it's etiquette and respect. Now, this is, again, the big lie that you get with the martial arts and with all these other religious systems. Oh, they teach honor and, and respecting your elders and discipline and all these things. But this is no excuse. You know, the devil can present all kinds of things that, are, that look good on the outside. But inwardly, it's death. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end of the ways of death. But this is the excuse that Christian martial artists use. The respect, that's about the, the, the only thing that guy could tell me when I got into that, when he got into that argument with me on the phone, the guy that I told you about, this 7th or 8th degree, Cook Wan black belt guy, that was, you know, a church member for all these years, and evidently had no conviction that it was wrong all these years. Why? Because God's hardened, his heart's been hardened. The Bible says, for the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's exactly what we're talking about. A seducing spirit and a doctrine of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. That's what he was doing to me. When he was trying to justify this evil martial art, he was speaking lies and hypocrisy. He was attacking me as a hypocrite. He was acting as though he was doing God's service, as like a hypocrite would. He was attacking me, screaming at me, the Bible says, if you see your brother overtaken in an heir, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. Was he coming to me in a spirit of meekness? I get a lot of people that email me and they're just jumping down my throat right off the bat. I say, you know, if you're a Christian, you violated this scriptural principle. You haven't come to me in a spirit of meekness. It says, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. Okay? I, I get that all the time. You know? But yeah, he came to me just screaming couldn't back it up biblically. All he could say is, no, we teach respect and discipline. And Okay, so that justifies everything. Okay, that, that we'll, we'll just overlook everything else we've just talked about today because of that. But that's what they want you to do. And because I had exposed this for what it was, he was violent. The spirits that were guiding him, the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that were inside him and controlling him came out to the surface. And now all of a sudden it became, well, I can't convince this guy. I'll try to intimidate him. A lot of people use this, this tactic. So the Spirit speaketh expressly, and in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having, what's the ultimate end? Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That man's conscience was seared with a hot iron because you couldn't tell him anything. His mind was made up. Don't confuse him with the facts. Well, he has his whole life invested in that dojo. You're right. And a lot of Christians are in the same boat. Well, I've got my life invested in this denomination. 
I'm a Southern Baptist, bless God, and even though it's a 501c3 entity yoked up with the government, and we're reading some false perversion, and we've got karate in our thing, and we got a yoga class, and we've got all these worldly programs, bless God, I got my life invested here, and I don't care what you tell me, you're not going to convince me any different that what I'm doing is wrong. Have it your way. You're the one that has to answer to God for it. You, you're the one. So, the next thing he taught on uh, this next date was this Hawal Rosh Do, whatever. And what is that entitled? The Codes of Honor. And again, you see the nice, wonderful little veneer. This is how they start out. Confucianism, etiquette, and respect. This other thing, Codes of Honor. And it says, we shall look briefly at the history of Hawal Rosh Do, the way of the flowering youth. Again, I may wax poetic. The elite fighting force of early Korea who can be compared with the samurai warriors of Japan. See, they all had their different flavors of this. We will, however, focus on the codes of honor they lived by. The five commandments and the nine virtues. And again, this is the justification that you're typically going to get when you try to present this truth to somebody. It doesn't undo everything we just talked about. The obvious scriptural warnings. Then we have, the next thing he's talking about is Taoism. The Oriental philosophical theories. On a practical level, we will learn the martial art way of speaking without talking. Whatever that means. But you see how this is all tied together? It's all inextricably tied together. They admitted it. Then the next time, we're going to talk about shamanism. That's something a little more evil. We softened them up with the etiquettes and the codes of virtue and the codes of honor. Now we're going to get a little more occultic. We're going to kind of let our true, our true colors show a few days later when we talk about shamanism. Now when I think of a shaman, I think of a witch doctor. But it's okay, evidently. Shamanism or tribal religion of the ancient Korea. Shamanism is the oldest form of religion known to Korea. They're admitting it. And it's inextricably tied to all the martial arts. Sure. China, Japan, don't matter. Flavor of the week. And shamanism dates way back to antiquity. It almost certainly has influenced the psyche of the Korean people. And not least the martial art and not least the martial art warriors who inhabited those times. It is based on the belief that spirits dwell within the forces of nature as well as in inanimate objects. Well they also dwell these evil spirits dwell within people primarily. In this talk we shall explore the legend of the mountain god and discuss the martial aspects of the shaman adepts walking and dancing on knives and swords. Hey, that sounds pretty Christian to me. I mean, I'm sure Paul had a very similar thing, you know, when he was preaching, and, you know. I mean, just try to extrapolate this into true Bible-believing Christianity. But, hey, this is what you're yoked up with, if you're you're, uh, into the martial arts stuff. No, no, brother, we've taken it back for Christ. It was never ours to begin with. Buddhism is the next thing he talked about. The philosophy and meditation. He says, The sheer depth, richness, and influence of the Buddhist teaching is not to be underestimated in relation to the traditional Korean martial arts. From the very first day a student walks into the Dojang, the Buddhist philosophy and teaching permeate many different areas of Kuksul-Wan training. They're absolutely, totally admitting it. Now, if this is your foundation, you can come out from that and say, well, I'm going to do it a Christian way. What was the foundation? It says Buddha, Buddhist philosophy and teaching permeate many different areas of the Kuksawan training from the very first day the student walks into the dojo. How can you get around this? And then it says, we shall discuss briefly the life of Buddha and his philosophies focusing on the 108 ways to enlightenment Evidently, one of those ways was being a really big glutton, because you always see those Buddha statues, he's always like way overweight. 
You might need to go like Curves or one of those, I don't know, fitness places, I guess. But he has 108 ways to enlightenment. Oh, yes, yes. <sighs> On a practical level, we will practice the Metta Bahavana, or the meditation of the universal loving kindness with 10,000 candles. <laughs> oh, no, this doesn't sound too new age. I'm not making this up. I'm reading this straight from the itinerary of this particular, uh, or schedule of this particular guy that's going to be speaking about these things. So, you know, after I heard about the, the, the meditation of the universal loving kindness with 10,000 candles, I broke down. I signed up. I, I, I couldn't help myself. I just, I was convinced. Just teasing. Okay, little humor there. Anyway, and then we're, t- we're going to talk about Zen Zhu, the Oriental medicine and martial arts. Oriental medicine? Yeah. Oriental medicine is one of the oldest and most effective forms of medicine known to humanity and has been used for over 2,500 years by the Oriental people. This is why I caution people about acupuncture and the Oriental stuff because so much of it is inextricably tied in with their religion. Just like the modern-day pharmaceutical company companies, when you look up the word pharmaceutical, it's the root, pharmacia is the root word for sorcery in the Bible. You've got to be careful of this stuff. It's mind-altering substances most of the time. So, throughout the ages, martial art warriors have learned and used this form of healing to assist their survival in an inhospitable world. In this talk, we shall discuss the history of this time-honored therapy and its relationship with the martial arts. So now they're even tying the oriental medicine together with the martial arts. And we know it's tied in with the religious system. Little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. This is not something you want to mess with. You don't know what you're possibly opening yourself up to. When I did all these techniques as a chiropractor, I was into kinesiology and acupuncture. And I, I mean, pride was another thing. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have so many degrees. I'm going to have more degrees than a thermometer when I'm done. You know, I've got, I got this and I got that. And I had these certifications. I was actually being groomed to teach this one particular uh, kinesiology technique called contact reflux analysis. We were in the number one clinic in the state of Florida that promoted this one particular product line, me and this other chiropractor. And we were, I mean, we were really doing good. But it was pride. And I had all these, I had all these different certifications and degrees. And here I was, 24 years old as a doctor, and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm the man, and all this other stuff. And I'm telling you, it was a really prideful thing for me, you know, and uh, God had to really do a lot of humbling because I was so far, I had elevated myself fo- so far up that it took a lot of extraordinary humbling, you know, and not to say I've, I've attained or anything that I'm perfect. I'm just saying it. I had to really be taken to the woodshed for literally years. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. What is a bastard? An illegitimate son. So I was taken to the woodshed. I know about the chastening of the Lord. Of the Lord. And um, you get into this stuff as a born-again Christian, he will chasten you because you're his kid. Now, if you're doing this, what concerns me is the so-called, quote, Christians that are doing all this stuff, and they've been doing it for years, and they have absolutely no conviction that it's wrong. Huh, that's weird. And they're not chastened of God. They're getting along fine. They're prospering. How could God prosper a true born-again Christian if he had his own dojo? He's teaching something that's contradictory to the word of God, and yet he's calling evil good and good evil. How can he? He's not. He's not saved. 
fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. All these things that we're supposed to have as Christians, we're supposed to be chastened by God when we do wrong. These types of things, we're supposed to try to be pursuing truth. We're, we're to be as good Bereans, study the Scriptures daily, rightly divide the word of truth, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. We're supposed to do all these things... And yet I see all these Christians that are involved in this stuff and a lot of other things they shouldn't be involved with. And there's no conviction whatsoever that what they're doing wrong. No, no, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy for giving them the truth. This overwhelming, obvious truth. I'm the bad guy, though. I'm the one wrong. They can't refute what I'm saying because it's so overwhelming and it's not really me saying it. And yet there's no conviction of God on their life that they might be wrong. You know, that's scary, because again, we go back to 1 Timothy 4.1, where it talks about the Spirit speaketh expressly, the Holy Spirit, huh, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Once you get your conscience seared with a hot iron, I don't know how you get it unseared. If, if your conscience has been seared with a hot iron, do you think they're going to be convicted about anything? No, I don't think so. Why? They've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Have they been given over to the strong delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that we read in the last part? I don't know. All I can say is I'm not their judge, but it sure seems to me as though they are really deceived and they are absolutely 100% content to stay in that deception. That's scary stuff. Okay, so continuing further, and we're almost through here, uh, this next part that he talks about is called grasping the wind, understanding pressure points. And it says martial arts training can encompass many different aspects. It is considered that to know how to find an opponent's most vulnerable spots and to subdue them and disarm them with the least amount of effort and injury to all concerned is the ultimate application of the higher level of training and is the understanding of the combative arts. Again, I think we have some conflicts here with true Bible-believing Christianity, particularly in a lot of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Okay, we've already covered that. And then the last thing he finally talks about is the Oriental Martial Art Philosophical Theory. There are three basic principles that lie at the heart of Kuk Sul Wan, which is this martial art that we've been talking about. And one is called the water principle, and another one's called the circular principle, and the other one's called the harmony principle. And again, these are all very new age type terms, but you can see how it's totally interwoven into everything else that we've been talking about. There's no way you can possibly separate this. Okay, So... That's the end of the study on martial arts. Uh, hopefully it's been a blessing to you. I'm sure some are totally pulling their hair out and wanting to kill me and these types of things. But, you know, again, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Because I believe, at bare minimum, I mean, come on, flee all appearance of evil, err on the side of safety, you know, wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. There's so much unclean that we've just talked about here. So many things that are just contradictory to the word of God. I mean, I don't know how much more I could show you in regard to this. And I'm going to go into the same thing on acupuncture and yoga in the coming weeks. So I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. And Lord God, all your goodness and mercy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I do pray, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. And that, Lord God, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. 
And Lord God, I do pray that, that we would forgive any that have sinned against us, that we would have mercy upon them, Lord God. And I do pray, God, for your mercy upon us in the body of Christ, upon our family members, those people that are around us. I do pray, God, that you would use, Lord God, the people that are listening to this in the body of Christ mightily for your glory. Pray, God, that through the body of Christ, you would lead many people to the Lord, that your name would be glorified, that the truth would go forth with power and might, that the Holy Spirit convicting power would be upon it. We praise you, Lord God. We thank you for all your goodness and mercy. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen.